Hey there, welcome to the Creative Metaverse Podcast. My name is Ryan Kingsline, and I'm the founder of Vertex School, where we train creatives for the career of their lives. In this podcast, we interview amazing artists and creatives working in film, games, and building the metaverse right now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Okay, to get started... I'd like to talk about your path to your professional career. Um, I would imagine you started out in primary school and moved up to like a high school or secondary. But after that, how did you decide that environment art, um, more specifically um, foliage, was going to be your um, your main goal? Um, I mean, like like even before that, I always I always sort of had had a thing for games. Um... But I, I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really aware that you could that you could make them. I was a bit sort of, you know, playing games and sort of shut off to, all right, people make these things actually. Um, so before all of that, I actually wanted to become a pilot. Um, but then when it was sort of time to make make a choice and see, okay, which which path am I gonna go to? I, for some reason, it just clicked, and I was like, hey, wait a minute, like, is that something that I could do? And then I did some googling, and that's sort of how I ended up. Like, oh, actually, I feel. I feel a bit more for that. Um, sorry, I, yeah, I went I went down that route. Um, but but yeah, like that that doesn't sort of like the initial education I did. It wasn't really um, um, like it's hard to and I guess I guess there's there's more more you know more places to struggle with this, but it's hard to find an education that is specific for game art. Uh, like they're pretty hard to find. There's a lot more right now, but back when I was studying, it was it was it was pretty pretty niche. Um, so that yeah, that was like a little bit of everything. Um, but uh, I mean the vegetation art thing is this. I um I remember when I was at Sticky Studios, there was uh, there was a guy there, Bob, um, and um and he he made some cool looking trees, and he he taught me some some things. You know, okay, this this is what you're looking for in a tree. Um, and that sort of gave me an edge later on. So then when when um, uh, when I was studying it at NHDP, I got um, I got an uh, an email. Um, like it, it was from a Korean Korean developer, and they were looking say they were looking for a vehicle artist, uh, but in the in the subject, and then the email itself, it it says like no, we want you to make trees. And it was like it was like super fake, and I didn't know the title, um, so I was like you know, like being, being pretty, you know, for my, for my sake at the time, being pretty ballsy sake, like, yeah, but are you going to pay me for that? And they're like, yeah, yeah, of course we're going to pay you for that. Um, and I was like, all right, shit, now I got to do it. So, so I went into that and then later turned out that uh, the game I was working on was uh, player unknown battlegrounds uh, which turned out to be, you know, a massive success. So that was pretty cool. Um, and then I did a couple more trees for them. Um, and then, like, 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 then it sort of got on hold a bit because in at, at playground games, I was doing roads, which was which was not what I wanted to do at all. Um, just sort of kind of, you know. And they were like, "Yeah, you're gonna do roads." Like, oh, all right. Um, and then when I when I was applying, like, I still wanted to do some vegetation stuff. I I actually had the idea to um to practice vegetation on the side um, and be an environment artist. At you know at at studio, um, 
but of course working on Avatar from Tears of Pandora, I, I, you know, I lucked out a bit. So I, um, I ended up on their biome team uh, where we do a lot of vegetation. So I just sort of kind of roll into it. Um, I mean, I guess it's also, um, you know, the law of attraction, right? Where it's, uh, it's what I wanted to do and I, uh, I ended up doing it. So. so you had mentioned you wanted to be a pilot when you were younger. Was art always your first choice or was that something that came along after uh, you explored other options? Um, yeah, no, not really. Like I, uh, like when I was, when I was uh, very, very young, uh, I had like a folder where I had a bunch of sketches with you know, like the typical stuff, you know, swords, beasts, warriors, uh, those kind of things. I was drawing with a friend and I had an uncle and then, you know, in my eyes, you know, my uncle was super good on computers. So I thought that if we just created enough drawings, he would be able to make a game out of that, um, which, of course, which of course never happened, but I have a big folder of like sketches. Um, and I think occasionally, uh, or like like usually, uh, my highest grade were actually in the in the arts department. Um, that, you know, reminds me of like a, a funny story where at some point, like uh, way back, you know, I think when I was around 10, 11, 12, uh, we had like a, a group exercise. We had to draw with charcoal. And I, uh, <laughs> like at the time, like I thought it was a good idea, but it was kind of stupid because I wanted to draw a tree. Um, and I went in and I, I, I sort of went crazy on the level of detail. And I, I sort of, I drew every leaf individually. So I just drew hundreds of leaves on the piece of paper. Uh, and I, I, you know, I remember like one person saying like, yeah, no, you, you didn't draw that. That's crazy. Um, just didn't believe me. And I kind of want to talk to that person now and say like, yeah, I kind of ended up <laughs> doing that for a living now. <laughs> just making leaps. It's, it's, it's what I do. Wow. So with this mentor, Bob, um, seemed to really help you out, you know, just starting out the company, doing minor things like roads and then working up to your to a new pursuit of uh, working with trees. Um, was there anything specific um, type of detail that he went over that helped you out a lot? Uh, I, I think I think you know like like what what comes back all the time when I'm when I'm building trees myself when I'm explaining trees to other people uh, or when it's you know giving feedback to colleagues it, it always comes down to negative space and it's it's sort of the the space that is like, you know, in between the leaves, like, like a lot of people or, or you you know, you see a lot of trees out there and they're just sort of filled up with canopy um, and they're so dense that they're basically this solid blob of green. Um, and, you know, once you start punching holes in that, creating the negative space, that's when you sort of get this volume feel to the canopy and it starts, you know, to become alive. Um, and that's that's sort of what Bob told me. That's that's one of the you know major things that I remember is it's just you know negative space, punch some holes in it. Yeah. To get you where you are today, you had to go through the four-year program. You decided to go for another one, and uh, yeah, just yeah, going through yeah. your internship after that. Um, was this all you feel like the necessary organic process to getting where you are, or do you think you would have done it a different way? kind of considering what you yeah know I, think, I think so like um like you know being being in high school sort of being drawn to arts uh, you know all my other grades were kind of low um you know just didn't really feel like that so i like the, the first university i went to was was um 
you know, it was like of a lower level kind of. Um, but I, you know, the moment I got there, I got to do, do the art stuff. You know, I started thriving. Um, and I think I, think I kind of needed that time as well. Um, you know, like I spent a lot of time outside of school as well, working, working on my craft. Um, and I, I, yeah, I, I needed that time. And I, I met some of my best friends through, through these periods. So. And what were you working on at that time? Like what programs were you using in that as well? Ah, all right. So I, I started out with, um, with Freeze Max, um, like only Freeze Max and, 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 and like Crazy Bump, which is, which is, which is ancient at this point. Um, like, like at some point, I remember sort of Andu and 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 Didu Beta coming out during you know during Christmas actually, um, which which are the guys that are now doing mega scans, um, and that was sort of the, the first sort of tool that that was like procedural that I was aware of and available to public, um, and I just kind of considered that cheating, um, and then you know look look at everyone now right like 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 times have changed it's 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 sort of embedded into everyone's workflow. Or, all right, so I wanted to ask you about that. With Megascans, how do you think that's um, determining the, how the field is moving right now? Uh, I think I think it's great, to be honest. Um, I think that that if you're if you're a student, then you should try and stay away from it as much as possible. Um, like there is a difference between building something and learning how to build something. And the thing with Megascans is it allows you to cut many corners. It doesn't per se have to. Um, but it, it it doesn't sort of put you in a spot where okay shit I need to I need to figure out how to build this myself and, and I think that it's like especially if you're going for realistic there's no there's no second best right there's 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 uh, it's very very hard to to build yeah. something that looks uh, yeah you're just saying about as a student it's one thing to make something but uh, what do you mean by that yeah no exactly um. And you see, you know, you see a lot of people sort of, they, you know, they pick up a program like uh, Substance Painter, and they they use some smart materials and they they grab some mega scans and then they, um, you know, and then they texture something and then when you look at it from far away, you're like, okay, it looks it looks cool, it looks good, but everyone, you know, that is aware and and then that is that is sort of you know that that I would say, okay, you know, like you're a professional artist, you know, like on second look can immediately see. All right, but this is this is mega scans and this is a smart material and this is a smart mask, um, and then, you know, I think now the game is to sort of, you know, combine these elements, but then make sure that you, that you add something on top and you don't you don't settle for, you know, what you get out of the box, um, and sort of still, combine all these elements into some sort of handcrafted, uh, artwork, um, not sure if that makes sense. Right. When games have more emphasis or just more attention to detail, it really shines through in the props. Yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. And like every object kind of needs to tell a story. Um, and if you don't, if you don't see that story, then there's a very big chance that it's you know, <laughs> mega scans and smart materials. Just for those who are listening. Uh, who may not know what a mega scan is? Can you explain exactly what we're talking about? Yeah, so so mega scans is a brand um, uh, by by Quixel, uh, 
And what they do is they deliver very, very high quality photogrammetry data um, sort of made game ready um, for, for everyone to use, um, which, is, which, is, which is fantastic. Um, and essentially what photogrammetry is, is, is they, they make a whole bunch of photos and process that uh, in software like um, reality capture. Um, and then sort of use that data to create game meshes and to create game ready textures. Um, and they're owned by, or uh, yeah, I guess they're bought by Epic Games. Uh, so it's just free, available for, for everyone to use uh, within the Unreal Engine. In your experience in studios, have you noticed that Megascans are used as a actual asset or are they left as a, a holder, as a placeholder until the artist can come in with a more uh, customized mesh? Yeah, I think, I think it's a bit of both. Um, so, you know, sometimes when you, when you just need something quick for like a test, you can just grab, grab a quick rock, try it in, in, in the engine. Um, and some of those shapes, they stick around. Um, yeah, personally, like I, I, I sort of, I sort of use it to, um, uh, to help myself. Right. So if I'm, if I'm building a canopy, um, you know, like, like Megascans has this, this big library of leaves and. And usually there's something that roughly looks like what I need. And then I, I, I grab that and I, I shape it to, to the shape that I want. Um, but I sort of use bits and pieces. So in my case, I, I usually only use the, the color, color data um, and then the, the normal for like the detail normal, but I'll still create my entire high poly um, because you will, you will just end up with a lot cleaner uh, normal data. When they announced this, how were you feeling? Were you feeling excited? Were you nervous? Um, you know, how, how did it make um, you feel? No, I, I was pretty pretty indifferent to it. Um, like I said, like initially when they when they when they were doing Endo and and, and Dido, which was sort of procedural text training, like like creating your normal map in Photoshop, and I I, I bought it and, and I, I played with it a bit, but I was, you know, I was like, oh, this is this is cheating. Like if you if you then you you know you must do all your scratches in, in Photoshop and, and do them by hand, uh, which is a bit stubborn. You know, it's like like clinging to the old ways. Um, but then you know you you grow older and you you mature as an artist and you start realizing that oh, actually like this is really cool. This is this is this is fantastic and this is gonna save me so much time doing things that normally would take me hours. I can do in five minutes now. And then you know now it's it's sort of fully embraced into into my workflow at least. Uh, but I'm I'm very careful with it. Like I would I would never sort of like what I always try to do is to to use it, but then to make sure that no one recognizes that it is used, if that makes sense. Yeah. So could you give me a, an indication of how your growth was as an artist, like starting up from the from the bottom and getting up to where you are today? Uh, Program-wise and um, just overall workflow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just make sure, like, if I understand the, the question correctly, like, like, it, like in, in terms of tools I use, or. Yeah. So, how did you grow out of those ideas? Was it something that you personally just grew up as an artist, or is it something that somebody at one of the studios helped you through? Um, just overall, how, how yeah, you all right. transition. Um, I think I think personally, I can sort of see a couple major stages where initially, of course, you're you're learning. You know, you 
you have your program, you're learning a program, you're, you're basically building everything the wrong way, um, but you're still happy with it or not. Uh, and then at some point, you know, you, 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 you know the program and you start sort of just, just building as, as you go, no longer thinking about, okay, what button do I press? Um, and then I sort of went into a stage where, in my opinion, everything had to be mathematically correct. Um, so when I was, uh, but this, this is mostly true for like hard service modeling. Um, you know, I wanted to make sure that every bevel I made was the same width, uh, every object was a round value, et cetera, et cetera. Um, which was which was all right, but it was time consuming. And then I sort of let that go, um, and and just just build it and and sort of relied on my eyes to 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 me right okay where where's going to happen, um, like of course you're building games, so everything has to be to a certain degree technically complex and working and and what whatsoever, but I think at least what I noticed that at some point I hit a certain level where I no longer needed to think about it too much. I was either able to retroactively just fit it in and I could just kind of go crazy on the art side. You know, not thinking too much about try count, not thinking too much about what shader I'm gonna use where, just just you know, just let things happen and and and, and create as I go. And, and that's sort of where I'm currently at. And I think I think that's a great uh, great stage to be in for me. Um, what would you have done? Would you have just quit and pushed forward and just worked through this? Yeah, I mean, I think a bit of both. Like I, um, I, I, I just sort of saw, you know, talented artists around me, you know, building things, and I was, you know, I was looking at them, asking them questions, um, and then like, like one big thing for me is that, that as a vegetation artist, I sort of, I sort of grew into speed tree, and. You know, there in Speedtree, everything is a, is a system, um, and it's very cool, very quick, very nice. Um, but then there was this guy at work, and he was he was just building everything by hand. And then, you know, I was like, "How does he do that?" You know, like like good, like it's not Speedtree. How like what? And then I was like, "I'm just gonna try it. I'm just gonna, you know, cut Speedtree out for a while." And now and now I never touch Speedtree. Now I just do everything by hand, which um, which is just one of those things where it's like, yeah, like why not? Like a lot of people ask me, why do you not? Why do you not use Speedtree or is Speedtree something that you need as a vegetation artist? And I would say the answer is yes. If you, if someone ever asks you, hey, can you do this in Speedtree? You're gonna need it. But other than that, I would say no. I don't. I don't need it. I prefer the the, the craft in my hand. And that's sort of the, you know, personal side of things. And and on the on the on the professional side of things, I think. I think in that regards, Playground was both good and bad because. You know, it was good in the sense that it taught me that lesson and bad in the sense that uh, working conditions just weren't that great. Um, and, you know, sort of working on a contract basis, you know, everyone gets in on a one-year contract and then, you know, you're, you're kind of expected to leave after that one year. Some people stick around, but you can just kind of, you know, feel that in the air, you know, not, not the best sort of overtime conditions, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that just sort of made me realize like, no, like if that would ever happen to me again, I'm I'm just gonna say, all right, guys, I'm out. See ya. Um, I I didn't do that at the time, which is that's yeah, you know, it's it's a it's a mix of, of both worlds, I guess. And looking back now, I have the confidence. You know, if I could go back in time, I would tell myself, quit, quit get out of here. This is not okay. Um, 
but at the time, you know, it was my first job and it was like, okay, it's a year contract, I can manage, it's all right. Um, yeah, I think so. I think we're just apply somewhere else. And I think at the time I also had, um, like I had very high uh, quality standards for myself. So I, um, you know, I thought that I had to be a lot better than I was. Um, whereas, you know, now looking back, I probably was already better than I needed to be. Um, so yeah, I think I would just go back and tell myself that like, just stop it, you're fine. Just, you'll, you, you'll get there. Mentorships are one of the most interesting parts of Vertex School. Taking a person who's well-versed in their craft or even at Maastricht level and getting them in touch with people who are just starting out, um, not only building up networking skills, but just getting the ability to see where other people are at the moment and being able to get the, kind of like the, the skirt around uh, making the mistakes that other people have already made. Um, how would you explain working at Vertex and uh, as a yeah, yeah, like um, like it's it started out like I I I um, I got a message from Jean Marc, um, asking me, hey, do you want to be a mentor? I, I I you know you you've been recommended by Jacob, who is uh, an environment artist that I got to know when he was working at um, uh, Ubisoft Stockholm. So we we kind of worked on Avatar for a while together, and then didn't hear hear about him for a while. Like uh, Ubisoft Stockholm, and uh, went on to do their own project. I think he went to a different studio, and then you know that, that just sort of popped up, which is you know, one of those things that, you know, it's such a small world. Um, and, and, yeah, like I had a call with John Mark. It's like, hey, do you want to do like some vegetation art course? And also, do you want to mentor some students? And then I had a bit of imposter syndrome, like me teaching people. Uh, but I did it anyways. And it, it's, it's been great so far. And um, I think, you know, like one of the best ways to learn um, is to teach things to other people as well. So, so I learned a lot, um, but also like the, you know, like it, it's incredibly rewarding to see students succeed and to see them sort of, you know, get to see them week by week and, and see them sort of working on their projects, making progress. Um, and then, you know, when you get, you know, when you get them to the point where they're enthusiastic about it and they're like, oh yeah, that's cool. I want to build that. Or, oh yeah, I would really like that. Or, Oh, is that how you do it? And you know, those are for me the best moments. So most people would think once you've got the studio job, I'm I'm in good, and you know, it, it's it's really interesting that you bring up the aspect of learning from your students. And could you walk me kind of through week by week how you learn from the students? Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, first of all, you know, like, of course, the teaching itself, right, that's a whole different skill um, that, you know, I'm exploring on my side, uh, you know, being a mentor is just a skill on its own. Um, but it's also, you know, like, you're sort of forced to go back to the beginning and be like, what if I opened up this program for the first time? Which buttons, you know, have I seen a million times and they have never before seen in their life? Um, you know, you get questions where it's like, actually, that's a super good question. Um, it's just that no one ever asks it because like, it's so straight or like, uh, so uh, like, how do you say that? Like, um, like, if you know, you know.
yeah so so you know for me they 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 changed the way i think and and in a studio like it's very important that you have this feedback loop and you talk to colleagues and you know you don't you don't mentor people but you you know you you transfer knowledge you write documentation um and i just noticed that for myself like like or you work with outsource stuff like that um you know it's very very similar um and sort of working with 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 mentees is this it's great for me in that regard to, to really practice okay how do i explain something from scratch and how do i make it stick and and then you know like even you know one step further is like how do i make them understand it because sort of telling you okay i press button one then press button two and then press button three that's you know that's one thing but sort of getting them to understand that if you start with button one you're going to end up at button three so we have to press button two you know that's the tricky part and so looking back at your education and from when before you had gotten a job where was your focus was your focus on any particular studio, any one job? Um, were you just excited to try to find a job in the industry, period? No, oh, I, I wanted to work for Bungie. Um, so my, my favorite game is, is Halo. And, and that's that's sort of what I wrote down on uh, my <laughs> the paper I had to fill in. Like, well, where do you want to work? Where do you want to work after its education? And I was like, all right, I want to work in Bungie. And then I remember a teacher saying, oh, God, that's not that's not gonna happen, you know. After <laughs> you have to, you have to get a, you know, realistic thing on paper, and um, and but yeah, that was that was my that was my dream. Yeah. What was your trick, your your method of, of standing out to be seen? Um. Well, I mean, I I don't work at Bungie, right? Yeah. Like I I sort of shifted my goal a bit because one thing that I didn't realize at the time, like I realized, but I didn't realize how big of a bump it was is that, you know, Bungie is, is, is in a different continent. And so I, I kind of, you know, like I started realizing that, you know, like the States, Europe, we all have super big talent pools. So for me to sort of make a break into the industry in a different continent, like most likely just not going to happen, not based on scale, but just based on, all right, you know, they have big talent pools. I'm just not worth the effort because there's 50 others that are equally good. Um, so I kind of changed my goal to be like, all right, I want to be, you know, I want to work in the AAA industry. Um, and yeah, it's an interesting subject, actually. Like I had a, I had a, a drawing teacher at NHTP and one of the first classes, he made everyone sort of say out loud, I'm an artist, you know, all the time i'm an artist i'm an artist i'm an artist and sort of you know calling it out making it a reality and making people realize like yeah that's what we're doing here we are all artists and yeah that's for me sort of developed into because i was i was always pretty shy um with my goals like i wanted to be a triple a artist but i was like yeah we'll see if i get there i'll just keep trying and but at some point i sort of changed my approach to that and i was like no that's what i want so that's what I'm gonna tell people. That's what I'm doing. Um, you know, what what are you what are you practicing? Yeah, I wanna I wanna work in the AAA industry. So I'm trying to get to that level. Um starting to compare myself to you know junior artists that are working in the industry and stop comparing myself with co-students. Um like you know, a, a good student doesn't per se make a good employee. Um 
if if that if that sort of makes sense. Um, just because you're a good student, that could mean that the rest of the class is at a lower level than you are, but that's, that doesn't make you good. Um, so I, I was like, okay, I have to compare myself with with a different pool of people. Yeah. And that's pretty scary at first because I I remember sort of removing pretty much my entire portfolio at that point um, and sort of being like, all right, then it has to be better. Um, and then I, I made it better, at least I think. <laughs> um, and yeah, here we are. How did you go about it? Was it just the work, putting in the hours, getting things done? Yeah, a little bit. Um, like what I what I did was I of course I went to that second university and I I'm at that point I said okay I'm gonna I'm gonna give it my all I'm gonna make it I'm gonna make this my goal for the for the next four years, um, so I um I didn't go to a whole lot of parties, um, and then I um, like they had I think like eight weeks of vacation and then you had to have like two weeks where you were free but you have to work on your assignments, <clears throat> and I just made sure that I was done with all my assignments at that point. And then I would lock myself up in my room and I work on a personal project. And sort of like every once in a while I had to do some assignments, but most of that time sort of went into, you know, just working on personal project and, you know, really learning, learning programs, sort of just shutting everything off, being like, right, I'm gonna spend 10 weeks in Substance Designer. I'm gonna spend 10 weeks in this program. And yeah, I did that. And I, you know, at that point I like, because like, you know, when you're working on a project or at least when I'm working on a project um, like, I don't like it for, for, for the majority of the project. I look at it and I think, oh, this is not good enough. Um, but then I, I sort of know that if I, if I stick with it, if I just keep doing it, you know, like sort of trusting myself, like being like, no, but I, I can do this and I will fix it. I don't know how yet, but I know I will. And then I just keep hammering it until it hits that point where it's like, okay, now it's good enough. And, but then I'm 75% there, right? So then it's about, okay, now I need to maintain this quality standard and finish it off and then give it that extra edge. And then I'll put it on my portfolio. I think we can all relate to that uh, inner monologue, that uh, dispute with yourself, but you know, considering all your hard work, where did you find that got you your best, um, your push forward? Was it just the hard work? Was it a luck of the draw being where you were at the time or just uh, catching the right year at the right time? Yeah. Um, I mean, like, like, of course there's, there's, you know, being in the, like there is being in the right, in the right space at the right time. But then I also think that it's about putting yourself in that space when you think you need it. So, you know, in my case specifically, I was like, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take this job offer. I'm not gonna sit here, you know, nine to five in an office. I'm gonna do a second university because this is what I want. Um, it's sort of, you know, putting myself in an environment where I can learn. Um, so there's, there's definitely some of that. So I, yeah, I, I think that ties into, you know, me needing that time, you know, I needed all those years to get to where I was. Um, and then, yeah, like a lot of hard work. And I don't think there's any luck involved. Yeah, I think, like, I, it's, it's kind of, um, like how you said, like at some point, what I think at least is if you, if you start sort of 
building everything at an early stage. So, um, you know, that's another thing that I sort of did is I, I, I made a LinkedIn profile. It's like, I'm just going to add everyone that is, that is relevant. So, you know, whenever I meet someone, I will remember the name, I'll go home, I'll find them on LinkedIn and I'll add them. And sort of creating a network, I think, I think that sort of helped me sort of get my work out there. And then I started noticing, you know, like, you know, every six months, someone would reach out to me and be like, hey, are you looking for, are you looking for some work or are you looking for a job? And, and that's actually my first sort of industry experience, which, which is a different story. It's a bit of a sidetrack, um, but it, it, was, um, it was a book I bought. It was, it was called 3D Modeling for Games by Andrew Gahan. And there was like, at the end, there was like a, there was like a forum link, 3D for Games. And then I went there and I just posted my work there. And then at some point, Andrew, he reached out to me and it's like, hey, how, how would you feel about doing something with a bit more purpose? And I was like, yeah, sure. Um, and then I, uh, I, I went, I, I went up to Skype and I, I had a call and I was, I was pretty young at the time and it was all super scary. And they were working on some, some racing game. And, and I spoke with one of the artists and they, and they gave me some work and I think I did that. And that was the end of it <laughs> never to them again. They never spoke to me again. Um, but it was still, you know, like some, some, yeah, somewhat sort of, you know, being on that forum. Um, and then there was another guy there, Chris Ratsby, and I was a bit of a, I was a bit of a fan of his work there. And then at my interview at Massive, you know, like I was interviewing, and then at some point they were like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have a look at Chris's desk now." I was like, "Is this Chris Ratsby?" Then I saw him. I was like, "Shit, this is Chris Ratsby." Ended up, you know, meeting someone. I was like, "Wow, that's that's full circle." Um. Could you share some of the interview process, you know, because going from there to massive, um, did they approach you, um, you know, overall, how, how did the interview process end up going? Um, yeah, like I, like, so this was all pre COVID. So, um, I, I applied and they were like, uh, no, actually I, uh, the recruiter once came to our university um, and, you know, like I do, I remember, <laughs> remember her name, had her on LinkedIn. Uh, so I sent a LinkedIn message instead. Um, and then I, 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 I sent her a message and it's like, Hey, I, I, you know, are you still looking for, for people? Because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm ready for a new adventure. Um, and they were like, yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's cool. We would like to have you in our system. Here's a link to our recruitment forum. And, so then I, I felt that in, and now I understand that at the time I didn't, but I didn't hear something for a long, long while. And, but then living in Sweden, I realized that Sweden just closes over summer. So um, I applied <laughs> during summer and then I had to, had to wait a while. Um, and then they got back to me. Um, and then, you know, first you have, or I, first I had um, like just a call like this um, with the recruiter and I think, lead artist either lead artist or producer um, and then after shortly after they were like uh, yeah we're interested would you would you like to come visit us and they're like yeah yeah, yeah I'll, I'll come over and so they what were they interested in was it um your portfolio or some of the soft skills that you pre presented at the interview yeah i think i think i think a combination um so i, I think you know portfolio is definitely you know i, I would say it's 80 percent and then the calls, 
like I, I don't have this confirmed, so it's not advice. Uh, but I think the call is just to make sure that you're, you're you know, you're not a serial killer. Yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, they put me in a hotel, and next morning I, I went there, um, and I, I just, I just had a chat with, with, um, with the lead environment artist, who's now my, my lead, um, producer and recruiter, and they, they basically take you out for the day, so they, they show you the project and take you out for lunch, really get to know you, um, and then it's like, all right, thanks, bye, and then you fly back. Uh, wait a little bit and uh, yeah then it was like uh, yeah actually do you have time for another call I was like yeah you're yeah, right <laughs> still not exactly what's going on and they're like yeah yeah so we're just calling to let you know that we'd like to give you uh, give you an offer and cool. so then yeah I accepted that and then they have some relocation assistance so. so working at Mastiff could you tell me what it was like working there like with your lead the hierarchy um, were you given references and you know, kind of followed to the letter, or were you given some artistic freedom? Yeah. Um, so, like, like, uh, so we we're working on on Avatar, um, which is obviously an existing IP. So we, uh, to a degree, are bound by that IP. But there is a whole lot of uh, artistic freedom, uh, and sort of. Like what I get and then what I have to build, it, it's it's absolutely everything. It's all across the board. So sometimes it's like, hey, can you can you do a thing? And it's like, yeah, I'll I'll do a thing. And and then whatever I do, sort of starts driving the project. You know, like you you make a block out, you show it to your leads, like, oh, maybe change this a bit. It's like, all right, you change that, goes to the art director, and it's like, oh, that's cool. And and it sort of grows from there. Sometimes it's like, all right, we have, you know, we have, we have five quick sketches and we chose number four. <laughs> Can you make it? It's like, all right, yeah. And then it's a quick sketch. And uh, sometimes not even like color information on there. So you just sort of fill that in as you go. Um, and then sometimes it's, it's, you know, you get a full fledged piece of concept art. Um, you know, it's basically done. It, it needs to look like that at the end. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a bit of everything. So could we touch upon what keeps you excited with what you do? Um, you know, after so many, so much time making the same type of assets, um, is there any trick or anything that keeps you motivated and pushing forward to make better art? Yeah, I think, um, like, I think I'm learning a lot from sort of the concept pieces that I, that I get. Um, also from, from, from Lightstorm, like what they do a lot is they, you know, you can really see that they take something that is, you know, that exists in the real life, and then they they either scale that up or change the color, you know, make it alien looking. Um, so that's that's something that's really cool. And then another thing is, um, like, and I'm sure that a lot of people have have told people this, but it's like, you know, don't draw your inspiration from video games. You know, like, yes, you know, you can see something that's like, well, this is super cool, but then, you know, go out and you know, make a photo or look for a photo or look for, like, what I what I find a lot of inspiration at the moment is, is looking at paintings. Um, and then you kind of do the same thing as with video games, because obviously the painter, you know, he had the real object in front of him, and then he made an abstraction from it, uh, or she, of course. Um, 
and um, you know you sort of get like you get you get the you know a tree or a painting, but with a completely different goal in mind. If that if that makes sense, um, like if it's a video game, like if it's background elements, you don't need to put a lot of detail in it. But obviously with a painting, everything is sort of there with a with a reason. Um, and then sometimes it's even a step further, like you know, like an art station post of an artist that hasn't drawn his interpretation of a famous painting. So you're sort of getting this third hand, you know, stuff. And then you know, when I take inspiration from it, it becomes this fourth hand. Uh, but yeah, sort of drawing inspiration from all kinds of sources. Um, and then like another thing is is is, is sometimes like what what you get like the inspiration can be a quick sketch and then you kind of have to fill in the pieces yourself so if someone makes a really cool sketch of a tree you know but they don't tell you okay this is the leaf type this is the amount of branches it has this is the bark this is what you'll see at the roots you know so so then you sort of you know you get the global image and then you have to fill in all of that yourself so then you you know you go and google and you're like right cool looking bark they find 15 images of cool looking bark um you know just just fill up your reference board like you know really like hundreds of images just throw them out there and then you know look at it and start removing stuff until you're at like what five five images five of your main images um and then just look at that and then when you feel like okay i'm getting stuck in this project you know open up the, the board with 500 images again and then look at that um from there like like i think inspiration isn't drawn at the beginning and then you build something i think it's sort of drawn all the time and so for our final question um new craze that everyone's really talking about is the metaverse and i just wanted to see what your opinion was and where you see where it's going to go and how it's going to affect our jobs as artists uh, i mean i think i think it's going to be incredibly big um I think I think right now, like like, it's already you know it's it's you know everyone kind of knows about it already, but you know the gaming industry itself is just, you know bigger than than film and and music and and whatnot, and then the metaverse is still like a small portion of this, um. But but you know we're I think we're you know we're, we have one foot in the door, you know like at what point is the digital world going to be more important than the physical world, um. And then when that kicks in, like when when sort of the I was gonna say quality content, but but I, that's, I should choose my words carefully. Uh, but when like the the major content is gonna come in, and you know then then I think it will, you know it will it will just become unstoppable. And like when we sort of take out the obstacles, you know like like a big thing is a VR headset. Like there's really good ones out there already, but. Not so long ago, you had to have a super powerful computer and you had to have 15 wires to connect it. And, you know, if, if that sort of gets into, into your glasses already, like, you know, that's already such a big, big step. And, and then, I, you know, it, it, it will probably get alive on its own and just, just, just go from there. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, and thank you for coming in today. This pretty much ends up our time. Um, it was great talking with you and hope to see more coming out of your class and from you. Um, but have a great day and thank you again for coming in. 
Yeah, no worries. Thank you very much for having me. All right, thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. And I wanna ask just two things of you. Number one, make sure to leave a comment or rank this wherever you are listening to it on Apple, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. It really makes a difference in helping us get the word out about this industry and about what we do. Number two, make sure you visit vertexschool.com to learn more about what programs we offer in this area as a creative and for artists who are looking to jumpstart their career and discover a new industry. Again, thank you so much for listening. We're accepting applications right now, so I look forward to hearing from you soon.